Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round, Dan Marino, Gruden. NFL Draft. And with the first round, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would have asked for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the drafts all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Lock receivers running back. Tackle. Hey, welcome back in to Balcom Cowboys podcast and the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kent producing a little bit of house cleaning to take care of before we get started. Dane Brugler's hard at work on the beast. And if you want the beast, his annual NFL draft guide, you need to subscribe to The Athletic. The best way to do that is theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. So make sure you get on that this week so that you get it right when it drops. Without further ado, it's time to welcome three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. We've got Saad from The Athletic. We've got John Mishota from The Athletic. And he's back. The man. The freak. KT. Fun free agency. Turner. Welcome back, man. Take it away. Howdy, folks. Um, dare I say one of the best Cowboys off seasons in, I don't know, 20 years? 15 years? 10 years we'll discuss in this episode. And I think we should probably start with the big splash first and move from there. My goodness, John, Brandon Cooks is in the house. Did you see that one coming? So that one, for as much as I'll say that a lot of their moves that end up happening aren't very telegraphed, that one made some sense just because they had interest in Brandon Cooks last year before the trade deadline, obviously for a lot more, uh, than what they ended up having to give up a fifth and sixth round pick. And, uh, you know, Houston takes on six million of that salary. So it's obviously uh, a lot less was given up for it because, let's be honest, if they had Brandon Cooks last year, that might have been the difference of them going deeper into the playoffs. You know, I mean, that's what they were missing. That's the biggest thing this team was missing last year was playmakers on the perimeter. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he fits just because he's 5'10, like a buck 80, buck 85. So he's not necessarily the bigger type receiver but he's fast and he can get open and he can make catches in traffic and move the chains so you put him with cd lamb and michael gallup and uh it looks certainly a lot better than it did at, on paper last year at this time so yes for a team that doesn't do very much this time of year and to go to your point that you made at the very beginning you know i can't necessarily say best in the t- last 15 or 20 years but by far the most they've done in the last decade, by far. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think, you know, KT, we'll, we'll talk about the cook. I'll talk about the cooks thing here first, but I will say I, I would just, for me, I think the Gilmore trade was, was the biggest one. I, I, I think that's, that, that one's going to pay off the most dividends um, next season, but we'll, I'm sure we're going to get into that uh, later on. But on the cooks front, it's not just about what cooks brings. And, 
you know, it's always you always have to look at, especially when you're talking about something like a wide receiver, how it impacts everything. And it was on this podcast we were talking about in today's NFL, you can't have a one, two, and a three in your top three receivers. You need to have basically two ones or two twos in that in that bunch and so and, and that elevates your entire group so what i think now either michael gallup is a really really good number three now or cd lamb is a really good number I, I think he's the number one but brandon cooks is a borderline one or two so he's a really good number two i think when you kind of look at the way that the receiver core falls overall and where you know you, you brought back tony pollard but you lost dalton schultz so i think you, when you look at the playmakers on offense, um, I think the, the entire the entire kind of uh, equation of the wide receivers. CD Lamb, this this is the same thing as when Amari Cooper was here. Um, now you can play CD Lamb inside, outside, whatever you want. Michael Gallup is playing with a lot less pressure. I think all those things factor in, and I think that's what makes the Cooks uh, trade so good. You know the Cooks thing. You add in. You know, a big part of, and I swear this might be the final time we do this, and we're not going to do it for long, but when you look at a part of the Amari Cooper thing, whatever you think that was, a big part of that was that he was making 20-something million and the new contract that he had signed. The idea that you're able to get Brandon Cooks at the number that they're able to get him at with the reworked deal, and, you know, he's getting a little bit of a paycheck from Houston right in his pocket right there. You're getting a guy who is undoubtedly tired of catching passes from guys like Davis Mills and fired up to come work with a guy like Dak Prescott. And the fact that you gave up hardly anything, or let's just say, again, day three draft compensation, to get a guy who's been a pretty good model of consistency in everything. He's even he's so consistent he gets traded a lot. He's consistent in that regard too. Brandon Cooks is an excellent player that you forget about because he played in Houston. And the fact that they're able to get that at that money and then have room to do other stuff if they want to go do other stuff, it just feels like after getting bamboozled in the Amari Cooper trade, which bothered so many people, rightly so, rightly so, they kind of got two back <laughs> to almost make up for it. I know it's weird and every year is different, but – to get Gilmore for what you got him for, and to get Cooks for what you got him for, and then not have to worry about losing comp picks either with free agents. I mean, dude, this is tremendous work by the front office. Outstanding. And and not giving up much down the line for such a draft and develop program. If you were giving up, let's say, a, a second or third, it just puts more pressure on those guys having to hit. Let's say only Gilmore plays well, or let's say only Cooks plays well. You really didn't give up a ton. It, and what you did give up, I'll take that gamble every day of the week. So it is funny because you said you mentioned the Dalton Schultz thing, and I just have to admit I was completely wrong on that one. It's also he's his contract's also a great example of why I think it's laughable when anybody talks about free agency about like how much money a player is going to get before it starts because no one really knows. I, I mean, if he thought he was only going to get seven million dollars for one year with the possibility of making nine from the Houston Texans, I think he would have just taken that deal the Cowboys offered him last summer before he signed the franchise tag. There's no way he thought his market was going to be that low. There's no way really most people thought it was going to be that low. I mean, he's been one of the top five most productive ten tight ends offensively over the last three years. So, um, And it was very clear that the Cowboys had really no interest in re-signing him. 
and that they're ready to go in another direction there because I mean that was not, that's not a big investment at all. They could have they could have made that if they really wanted him back. So that was very interesting in this grand scheme of things because they're not done at tight end. I, I see them drafting a tight end at some point to go along with these wide receivers. Heck, they might draft another wide receiver. And here's the other part. I would say 99% of Cowboys fans are expecting for expecting zero catches and zero yards from Jalen Tolbert just because he didn't give you anything last year. I don't think it should be that crazy to think that he could come in and be like a solid number four wide receiver now being two years into the into his NFL career. Um that would not surprise me at all. So there's also that kind of bag. I feel like so many people have just written him off in a way where you know, you kind of written off Kelvin Joseph, especially when you make a move like this for Gilmore. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think you could get something out, out of out of Tolbert that might surprise you where he all of a sudden is a really productive number four wide receiver. And hey, let's be honest, with where they are right now addressing these needs, they could still take a wide receiver at 26 if the right guy fell there. And, and, and no one would should have any argument with that. Yeah, and I think another thing that you mentioned, John, was was the uh, the price that they're paying in these trades. I think I think one thing that you try to do, whether it's in trades or free agency, you don't want to be in a bidding war because then you're going to end up overpaying no matter what. So if Brandon Cooks in the same situation, if he's a free agent, you're either taking a bigger hit against the cap or if you're in a big bidding war with other teams, you're going to have to make more premium draft picks um, going in those trades. When you're able to do this in a non-bidding war situation, which you know with trades you're able to, I, I think this is the example of kind of what Odell Beckham Jr. last year, right? Where you're, where you're even, even if whether, however much of it was just smoke or, you know, stuff by his agent, but you have two, three teams and you're trying to play your, there, there was none of that. I mean, with, with Brandon Cooks, you just kind of, like you said, I mean, we all knew the Cowboys had interest in him, but it's not like you were competing against other teams. And the biggest thing is I will take that over a free agent wide receiver of the same caliber because you're either going to have a bigger cap hit um, if you're going to go and try to sign a free agent instead of trade for one. Yeah, the only way in free agency that I would have been interested with a wide receiver is if it was a Dalton Schultz type scenario where let's say right now as we're midway through week two of free agency, you're just like, man, I can't believe so-and-so is still out there and he can't believe he's still out there. He's probably willing to take a one-year deal because he just wants to get back to free agency next year. And maybe there's a steal out there for that, but I don't even know who that player would be. So it's hard to speak on that. But that's the only, as you get into the second week of free agency, there are those potential bargains, you know. And as I look at the Cowboys roster, I really don't even think that much more needs to be done in terms of weapons before the draft, you know. I mean, obviously, you could add, they could certainly afford to add a, a, a guard, and then on the defensive side, a defensive tackle. But there aren't many really big needs that are that are sitting here with this roster right now. You know, I wouldn't have a problem bringing back kind of a guy who kind of reminds me of him. I wouldn't mind bringing back T.Y. Hilton if he had a good time last year and wanted to come in just as, you know, I don't know. You, you, have, you do have dilemmas when it comes to roster, roster spots and special teams and things like that. But just a little more speed to put on the field. Uh, we'll see if McCarthy will utilize – you know, Turpin at all. Um, and like, as you said, wide receivers, something they could consider in the draft. But like, I know, um, I, I I hope this kills the Odell Beckham thing for now because it's really not needed because Brandon Cooks is an outstanding player. Brandon Cooks, you have to like wipe out 2022. And even though he was actually decent with bad quarterback play, watch Brandon Cooks from 2020 and 2021. And look at the numbers that he put up. I, I just... 
you're getting a guy who could be making twice as much or more than what he's making, and you're going to get that value, and you're going to get, to me, the perfect element. This team needed more speed. They needed more speed, and that is just, you know, what you get out of Gallup is very much a question mark too, right? But it kind of fits in well with having CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and your idea of these are the three guys you want. And the Cowboys recognized that and went and did something about it, and I I just couldn't, I mean, applaud the front office. Man, great job. When you mentioned T.Y. Hilton and Odell Beckham, it also makes me think of one, if not both, potentially not signing with anyone until August. Yeah. Like waiting for a team that maybe doesn't get a receiver in the draft like they were hoping for, being guys that they're veterans, that they probably don't even really want to go through the whole training camp preseason thing, uh, where they are like, okay, let's wait. Maybe maybe a, a, a top team's wide receiver gets hurt in training camp or something like that. I just feel like your value might be more than for a veteran who it's not like you have to put anything else on tape. Teams pretty much know what you are. And then you can, you know, you don't have to go through training camp and preseason like they probably don't want to. So that's always a possibility there, too. I mean, I keep going back to, you know, at this time last year or even after the draft, I didn't think the Cowboys were going to fill a hole at linebacker with Anthony Barr. Not sitting here saying he was the greatest and not saying he had. Uh, you know, a vintage Anthony Barr season, but there are still guys that can be added potentially in free agency, you know, once we're out at training camp or right before the season starts. So, uh, and I also wonder what kind of impact T.Y. Hilton would have made if they would have signed him then as opposed to late in the season. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. I mean, let's see what happens in the draft. You know, I, I think that they could potentially get a decent receiver. Again, I'm talking about a guy that would be your fourth or fifth receiver who then you have him for four years and, and, and hope that they kind of progress. But uh, at least now you're in a position where you don't have to force that, where you don't feel like you're sitting there at 26, like, man, I really hope Jackson Smith and Jigba or a Jalen Hyatt falls to us because we really need to fill this spot. And we really don't think that guy's going to be there in the second or third round. So we really have to do this at 26. You're, you're not in that spot now. Where were you guys on uh, Dalton Schultz? One year, $9 million, uh, gets a deal with the Houston Texans, obviously, uh, the negotiations were pretty tense last year because the franchise tag plays on it. has a bit of a knee problem that kind of just seemed to hover uh, all year long. Um, how much will he be missed? Uh, how big of a loss is this uh, for the Cowboys in your eyes? So it's like $6.75 million on the deal that can be worth up to nine okay. if he meets all of his incentives. Um, wow. So when we had our conference call two days ago with, with Brandon Cooks, one of the questions I asked him was just, where where the how how the fire is being fueled right now coming off of three seasons in Houston where you win a total of 11 games after being a player who went to the Super Bowl with the Rams went to the Super Bowl um with the Patriots and he made it very clear that yes that's a huge motivation for him because I mean believe me as a Lions fan I know how like seasons drag on when you're only winning 3 4 games in a season. So to be back with a contender, the reason why I bring that up is because if you're Dalton Schultz, I mean, you're going to Houston, they're not going to be very good again. You're probably going to be dealing with a, a rookie quarterback and there's going to be a lot of growing pains there. So probably not a lot of fun football. So um that's a that's a tough that's a tough decision, but obviously that probably is the best one he could make financially. Obviously that the Cowboys will miss him, you know, in some big situations if they don't add another, maybe another tight end or if one of these receivers get hurt. Because 
Dak did really trust Dalton Schultz, especially in big moments, okay? And I'm not saying he's the big-time playmaker tight end that some of these other guys are. If he was, he probably wouldn't have signed the deal he just did. But he was, you could count on him in big moments. And so now maybe that shifts to Brandon Cooks. Maybe that shifts to Michael Gallup now being a second year removed from the knee injury. Maybe he's more like his old self. Maybe that's Jake Ferguson. Maybe it's Peyton Hendershot. Or maybe it's somebody that they take in the first or second round. If tight end's the deepest position in this class, like everyone says it is, I certainly can see the Cowboys drafting one at some point. And so um, I'm just not, I can't just gloss over it and be like, oh, well, next man up, they're not going to miss him at all. Because I do think they're going to miss him. I mean, he was their second leading receiver last year. Yeah, I, th- <clears throat> I think so too. I-, I think the only, you know, we talk about like guys like, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, you don't make the exceptions, the rules, like fourth round draft pick, sixth round draft pick. However, I will say when, as, as the Cowboys have gone through this, tra- uh, through this tight end carousel post Witten, you had Witten and then you were like, Blake Jarwin's going to be the guy. He got hurt and Blake Jarwin had potential. He had that game against the Giants. He had potential. He got hurt. Then you're like, oh, like, I, I you know, you're probably saying a lot of the same stuff about Jarwin that we're saying about uh, when, when Witten left. And then, when Jarwin left, you're saying the same thing. Now Schultz is leaving and you're saying the same thing. And and I think it's a fair expectation. I, I think that's how it should be framed. But I'm saying it's not out of the realm of possibility that Ferguson or Hendershot could be the guy or the new drafted guy could also be somebody who, you know, fits in and, and does a good job. I think the only other X factor to this also is the fact that the offense is going to change next season. So you know, Mike McCarthy instilling a new system, Mike McCarthy calling the plays. It's not like Dalton Schultz's void is this. I I, I agree with John. It's definitely a void because that trust factor with Dak can't be replicated. But schematically, that void might be different because maybe Mike McCarthy now all offseason is just going in with a three wide receiver kind of focus and and Tony Pollard as your playmaker whatever i think i I think the overhaul on the uh, offensive coordinator position also comes at a decent time the other thing i wanted to mention about tight end real quick it'd be interesting to see them take one in the first round because to your point side blake jarwin undrafted uh rookie free agent they had high hopes for him before the injury peyton hendershot undrafted rookie free agent jake ferguson fourth round pick dalton schultz fourth round pick they haven't taken a tight end in the first round since 1997 and david lafleur and 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 i go back to even green bay Mike McCarthy's never taken a tight end in one of the first two rounds. I believe the third round is the highest he's taken, where he took, I think, Jermichael Finley and probably Richard Rodgers. But other outside yeah. of that, he's not spent big on tight end either. Or no, he has teams he was with. I actually uh, pulled that up before we started today because I thought that might be a fun exercise because I think Mike McCarthy's influence on this season is the biggest storyline for the entire offense. And, you know, maybe if you do draft a B. John Robinson, maybe that becomes one of the biggest storylines of the whole offense or, you know, something like that. That's the story. It's not Dak's tattoo, which we'll discuss later. The story is Mike McCarthy and Dak and how they mesh and if that works out. Because if it doesn't very quickly, then it will know and he's gone. <laughs> um, now, why does it feel like we've said that <laughs> for a long time now? But it's true and it's finally here. I, I do think it's very interesting, like, the minute he kind of takes over – the offense, they do get a little more aggressive, go out and get another wide receiver for you. You know, um, it's just that's that's a little fascinating to me. Here's a history of uh, Mike McCarthy. And you said tight end, any skill position in his tenure, they were not drafting any don't, skill position in the first round. Don't you think, though, that that, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I do think that Mike McCarthy has a little bit of say in this. Maybe that's why they got a little more aggressive and got Brandon Cooks, but 
Um, I could argue that the guy that they just released, they did for their coach too. I think Ezekiel Elliott was re-signed yeah. to that long deal because they felt like to win with Jason Garrett and Jason Garrett felt like to win, they needed his bell cow back. Whereas yeah. I don't think they give that contract extension like that to Ezekiel Elliott if the coach all along was Mike McCarthy. If the coach all along was Mike McCarthy, they might not even have taken Ezekiel Elliott at four. So I don't no think doubt. that this is a new thing with them listening to that coach. I certainly think they listen to Garrett too. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think that's a really good point. And we can forget all that because it's been a while. Um, Oh, I'll start in 08 just for fun. Donald Lee, you're tight in there. Uh, you mentioned Jermichael Finley. Jermichael Finley, I only wanted to bring him up because there is a guy in the draft who has Jermichael Finley-type freakish ability, <laughs> and he was the second-best tight end at Georgia. But he could go in the first round because of his testing, and that's Darnell Washington. He's six foot seven. He can fly. And there's some things about him – He's bigger than Jermichael Finley, like, uh, you know, in mass. But, you know, the idea of having a guy in the red zone with Zeke gone that you can go through a jump ball to, that is pretty appealing. Where do you rank like him Rico the tight ends? Uh, I would have him third. Okay, I agree. If you're on the clock right now for your, your draft for the Cowboys, this is for both you to answer. Uh, Saad, you go first. You're on, the, you're on the clock right now, but they're not going to give you full say. They're just going to let you pick between two players. And it's Darnell Washington or Bijan Robinson. Who are you taking? Bijan. Yeah, I'm taking Bijan. He's just the more, first of all, I think he's the more dynamic playmaker overall. Secondly, um, it's something that you actually have mentioned in, in previous podcasts, John, is the fact that, you know, Tony Pollard is only back for another year. And and we'll get to the Ronald Jones thing, I'm sure, in a second. But but Tony Pollard is here for another year. If you get Bijan, then you have so much flexibility next offseason. If Tony Pollard has a big year, you're not tied to giving him a crazy extension that you don't want to give. So I think for the present and the future, Bijan gives you a lot more flexibility. The, the Buffalo Bills drafted pick 27. Okay, so if you sit there at 26 and you took Darnell Washington, throw in Luke Kincaid. Doesn't matter. Throw in a tight in there. And then the Bills select Bijan Robinson. Don't you go, holy cow, the Bills. Whew. They're gonna be a juggernaut, and it's like that's a that's a very easy exercise to do. There is how would you feel if the teams after you picked this guy? I think you'd go, whoa, he's a, you'd have him for six years. Get that fifth year option, franchise him one time. Adios, amigo. It was good knowing you. They ain't hard. If they want to go to Cabo and hold out, you don't have to do anything. You can just hang out. You don't have to acquiesce and give a huge contract. So, yeah, no, I think that's I think that's the thing there. But I, And I, I think they, they would consider a running back there. Uh, uh, so, after Jermichael Finley, they, they ended up with Andrew Quarles for, for a while. And a couple of two tight end sets. They were always very comfortable uh, when Richard Rodgers got there as well. They were always very comfortable in those years kind of having two or three guys. And I think Ferguson – the thing I like about Ferguson, okay, again, we don't know – ton about what he can do at this point but 22 targets last year 19 receptions the thing i like about ferguson is ferguson is kind of known for having pretty good hands even though he wasn't used a ton at wisconsin and he's 24 years old i mean he's a grown man and he's used to run blocking and things like that and i think he's a little more athletic than people give him credit for i can get by with that can you play the Dalton Schultz role and maybe give us a little more explosive things down the field. Perhaps 
But can you at the least play that role that Schultz did last year? And I think he absolutely can. I also think, uh, KT, you mentioned like Mike McCarthy's offense is kind of like this big overlying storyline. I agree with that. But also the other thing to consider is I think a lot of times with tight ends, and we see this with running back position overall as well, but with tight ends you see this specifically with players where there's certain trends that go on in the in the NFL. Um, you know, when Jermichael Finley was, was kind of around, it was Jermichael Finley, Jimmy Graham, it was like these like basketball players that turned yeah. tight ends and and that and and you don't have to go with one type of tight end. I mean, you can you can try to go and pick a different type of player altogether whether it's a pass blocker, whether it's a you know, whether it's a blocking tight end, a receiver guy. Um, you can pick one of those projects later in the in the draft. I, I think when you look at a prototypical complete tight end, that's what you're looking at with like Dalton Schultz and stuff like that, but you don't necessarily have to go that way. You can just go more of a project route, which, you know, a lot of times teams will do with running backs, but I think you can do that with tight end as well. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt Michael Michael Mayer is the most complete tight end. I mean, if anybody in this draft class, that's the player I've seen play the most. He is the real deal. But again, I don't know if you necessarily, if if it's between him and Bijan Robinson, I could see Bijan Robinson having a bigger impact for this team. With that being said, both positions, running back and tight end, I would like to see both to be be addressed in the within the first four rounds, if possible. I mean, I don't reach past a, a good player. I'd obviously like to see. I mean, I guess I'll just say it like this: my in in, in a perfect world with the Cowboys' first four picks, they would dra- they would address running back, tight end, guard, and defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah. whatever in whatever spots so those would be the four now I know drafts don't work that way but that's just where I'm at right now I also think they could look to recoup some picks and I'm, I'm just we say this maybe every year but sitting there at 26 given what you've traded uh, in terms of day three inventory to go make some moves maybe they're sitting there first round players are wiped out and maybe they go well B. John Robinson's there but we just don't believe in taking a running back in the first round maybe we'll get one later let's see if we can get out of there and someone comes up and gets him and then they have a little more extra, you know, draft capital to work with on the back end. I can see that happening as well. I seeing them move up seems like something that you would not see uh, this year. But how, how, how do you guys feel about this? We just did our mock draft through all the writers at the Athletic, picking for the teams they cover. And when it got to me, Bijan Robinson was still there. So I mean, I I I turned in my pick as fast as you possibly could. I didn't even think twice. Uh, but want to see where you guys are on this. So I took him and the next best players available uh, were uh, Brian Brissy, the defensive tackle from Clemson, um, Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia, Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida, Jamar Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. And then um, there were some others were on the board. I believe Jalen Hyatt might have been there, but I could be wrong. They might have been wiped out at wide receiver. Actually, the top four might have, I believe, might all have been gone. But yeah, let's say Hyatt was there too. I'd yeah, I'm checking jumped. on you. Uh, Jordan Addison went 12. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. They had I like Jordan Addison a lot. I think he's the best receiver. He's the receiver I'd want. If I was drafting in the top 20 and I needed, I needed a receiver and they were all available, I would take Jordan Addison. In uh, Jigba, 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quentin see. Johnson was still on the board. Zay Flowers, 22. I still have Quentin Johnston on the board for okay, you. Okay, yeah, Quentin Johnson might have been then. Man, I feel like if he he's a player that if he played at Ohio State or USC, he'd be gone so fast. The drops worried me a little bit. Um, Six he got hurt a lot, too. A little banged other, up a little bit. And the other part, too, to is like when you're comparing it to Bijan Robinson – like I see Bijan Robinson, like week one, 
being a major impact player. I can see a receiver that you take at 26 being 500 yards and three touchdowns for the entire season. Yeah, and that's what scares me. That's what scares me about about first round tight ends too. Sure. Have you guys looked at the history of first round tight ends (laughs) recently? Yeah, it's not great. It ain't great. No. All the best tight ends in the NFL today. Basically, none of them were first round picks aside from, I don't know, Dallas Goddard. You want to throw him in there, maybe Hawkinson. But like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, none of those guys were, were first I think round if, picks. This is a pretty Goddard deep a draft, too. Pick or second? I think Goddard two? was a second. Was but he a if, second? If yeah, Pitts would have went first top of the second, then. If yeah. if Pitts would have went to not gone to one of the worst five teams in the league, I think <laughs> Kyle Pitts would be all right. Where if. I mean, literally, you've put on him on 20, 25 other teams. I think Kyle Pitts would be uh, – you would feel just fine with where he was drafted. But but no, your point's well made, though, Kent, for it's sure. Like it, it, the, it doesn't look good. The names are like Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Hawkinson and O.J. Howard. Remember that? Uh, Dan Njoku. Eric Ebron. Yeah. All right, round two is the sweet spot for tight ends. Yeah, you know me, with the way Dane's board is, Dane's got like four tight ends at the range of like 40 to 25. Give me one of those guys in like the early third. I don't have a lot of interest in tight end in the first round in general. Right. Yeah. Um, I agree. But, but you know, it's it's fun to look. I mean, look, for me, how this front office works, if we're going to go off of we're going to run the damn ball, you know, uh, then offensive line or running back yeah. does make a lot of sense. And knowing what this team – has done in the past at offensive line in the first round. I mean, it can get you going. I know it's not as exciting as some other years. Um, I know I don't think um, Osiris gets everyone uh, fired up, you know, but how solid is that? Are there other guards that are around there? I think that's what they're going to be debating. Where do they take a guard? Can they move back and get a guy like him? You know, I think that's where the, the thing, the board will take them, but they're going to have Bijan ranked high. Like, no matter what. And they're going to be sitting there at 26, and if Bijan's on the board, he will be their clear number one player. It'll be like that for a lot of teams, probably. They're clear number one player on the board, but they, you know, philosophies come into play. I'm naturally against it, but I don't consider picking 26th picking a first-round player. So, yeah, I, that's where I lose I, my, my steam there. Yeah, I agree with that. I, that's a great point, KT, because I remember I did a story – um, back back when I was you know still writing about the Cowboys um, for the Athletic and I and I talked to some scouts around the league uh, for the story and, and they talked about how like and this is common knowledge but you don't have 32 first round grade players like yeah. there are years you have you know 40 first round players and then there are years you have 10 first round players whatever the case may be I mean how deep the draft is there's not 32 players with a first round grade that's not how that works. Um, and then the second thing is, and you, you mentioned this earlier, uh, KT, about the inventory that they lost with the late round picks. One, I, and one of the things I remember a scout told me was like, late round picks is when the scouts get their, like, the, like that's when you get, you really get your money worth it because, um, because at that point you're starting to pick like projects and you're starting to pick like just based on tools. And uh, one thing that, you know, I, we haven't talked about and we might not get to right now because they re-signed Cooper Rush. I remember a scout told me that's when you start picking your quarterbacks, like, you know, in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, um, you know, that's when you start picking guys that, you know, you don't need a quarterback, you have a franchise guy, but you pick them anyways. And so I think the draft philosophy that you're talking about is really important. And when, when it comes to, trust me, I'm waiting on Dane Brugler's beast to come out as much as everybody else. I haven't 
been as locked in um, to the to the draft process. But so I don't know. John might know better about how many true first round talents there are this draft, but it's never thirty two. So oh, it's probably it's probably not even half that. I bet you it's about thirteen or fourteen. You know, one yeah. of the things that I keep thinking about too is all these quarterbacks. Everybody says right now that there's going to be these four quarterbacks going in the, in the top twelve. Well, did anybody think only two would go in the top 74 last year and not one would go until Kenny Pickett at 20? I mean, so it would not surprise me if one of these quarterbacks doesn't slip very far where no one's projecting that right now. So, no, I don't think that this is a great draft class by any means. So I I, I bet you it's 14, 15 first round grades at most. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, though, that KT mentioned, I've said on here many a times, I don't I hate the idea of, you know, for a while there, I felt like the Cowboys thought, Oh, you know, all of our starters on the offensive line need to all be first round picks. And I wanted to get away from that. And I just was like, that's just too much investment. But I don't mind a first round pick on the offensive line now. And the reason why is you didn't spend a first round pick on Terrence Steele and you're not going to have to pay Terrence Steele like a first round pick. You're not going to have to pay Tyler Biotis like a first round pick. You don't have a left guard. Tyron Smith is going to be off the books probably next year. And then so you have Tyler Smith is the only guy that you're really going to have to probably pay big money. And that's not for another three, four years. So I like the idea of guard because you don't have anyone at left guard and your right guard, Zach Martin, turns 33 in November. Could Zach Martin still be playing at a high level at 36, 37? Would not surprise me at all. Could Zach Martin be out of football in two years? Would not surprise me at all. So, I mean, you you also got to be kind of looking towards the future. So I understand yeah. it. I Believe me, I would love to see some you know, immediate impact offensive weapon. I would love for Bijan Robinson to be their pick. I think it would be the best thing to move the needle for our business. No question. But they've done well drafting offensive linemen in the first round. And if they think an Osiris Torrance or somebody maybe in the second round can be their guard for the next decade at, at left guard or the heir apparent to Zach Martin, I'm completely on board. Yeah. And they also, you know, can, can set you up for just kind of. I mean, I know that here's the thing when you did the the uh, reworking of Tyron's deal, it, it did put you in a spot with okay, there's no way Tyron's your guard, right? Tyron's playing left tackle, right? So he's either left he, tackle or he's, your, or he's your swing tackle. When you did that with Tyron's deal, it almost made me think they're not as interested as maybe I thought they would be at doing that, and they would like to keep Tyler Smith at guard for another year, but we know what happens. We'll know a lot more after this draft. If they spend a, a, a first, second, or third round pick on a guard, I think that they're going to want to try and that, have that guard get every opportunity to win the left guard spot, have Tyler Smith play left tackle, and then Tyron Smith is your swing tackle. And it's not some type of, oh, that's so disrespectful for Tyron. It's the fact of, one, there's going to be plenty of plays where they have three tackles on the field when they need to run the ball. Mike McCarthy has shown that he will do that. One, yes. two, you're protecting Tyron Smith from himself. And three, there's the possibility that he might have to start the season at right tackle if, let's say, Terrence Steele isn't ready to go there. I don't get the I don't get the sense right now that, that that'll be an issue. I think Terrence Steele will be ready for week one. But if he's not, then you have Tyron Smith, someone who finished the season at right tackle there. So Let's see what they do in the draft. If they're not taking any offensive linemen in the first few rounds, I find it very hard to believe that their plan is to be, oh, no, Tyler Smith will be the left tackle. Tyron Smith will be the swing tackle. And our left guard will be Matt Farniak. I just find it hard to believe that that'll be the case. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What about Chuma? Let's talk about the signing of Chuma and Yoga. Is he competing for the starting left guard job? That's a possibility for sure. Yeah. That was cheap too. That didn't cost anything, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's a step in day one starter. I mean, he had some depth there for sure. I like the idea, you know, he's 25 and just something there, you know, yeah. it, it kind of, it's, it's, it's it way different than signing the Jason Peters at 41, you know, <laughs> by the way, mm-hmm. he's, he's done, right? Is Jason, Jason Peters, are they going to, does he want to come back or is he, oh, what's the story they, there? They could still potentially add him, but he's another guy, like he's not going to want to go to training no. camp and do all that stuff. So if either. they did a move there, <laughs> that would probably be more along the lines of during training camp or something like that, that that would happen. But no, that. He hasn't said anything like that he's done or retired or anything like that. So, no, they he's still on the board for them as a possibility. Well, you know, the better you are uh, and the more exciting you are and the more hype that continues to build around you, and I know it's the Cowboys, you do have those guys who, uh, the quote-unquote, uh, whether it's fair or not, ring chasers, who could, you know, give you a little boost on the back end. I mean, that's how you get a T.Y. Hilton and a Jason Peters on a year like last year, and they help the team. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's still possible, too. Uh, before we do Ronald Jones, I, th- I don't think we did this last week. Cooper Rush back. Were you surprised Cooper Rush got uh, came back? I, I kind of thought that might be the end and they might move on and just do the Will Greer project for a while and fart around with that. But Cooper Rush, and that's a very – I'm a guy who doesn't like paying my backup quarterback, to be honest. It drove me nuts paying Andy Dalton, even though he played a lot. I didn't like that. I don't. I just feel like if your starter's out, you probably – it's a lost cause in most cases. But – Cooper Rush, a good number, two at six, right around there. I don't know what the guarantees are in there, but that's really good for that. I mean, in fact, he went 5-0 and last year, right? Yeah, and, and they like Will Greer, but it also kind of, to me, I don't 
I thought he would have more suitors. I thought he yeah. might have some better opportunities after the way he played when he was called upon to start and go four and one as a starter this year. And when in the game two years ago in Minnesota, I mean, he's shown you that he's he's a very quality backup quarterback that can come in and, and win you a few games. So there's a lot of value there. Um, I like the move because they're not taking a quarterback in one of the first few rounds. And if they don't feel great about any of these quarterbacks in the back end, why why waste a pick just to waste a pick? Go sign somebody as an undrafted uh, rookie free agent. If he performs well in camp, then you let him compete with Will Greer for the for the number three job, and maybe you stick with that guy. But um, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously we know Max Duggan, and we think that that would be an interesting story from him to go from TCU to the Cowboys. But I don't know how good of a player he even would be at the NFL level. I mean, he's got his limitations. So I don't know that any of these moves would prevent them from doing that, but they also don't have to take a quarterback. I don't, I understand that there, you know, there's that line of think you should, you should draft a quarterback every single year. Hey, you might, might get a, uh, you know, a Brock Purdy or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Go take a flyer on a guy like that. But I just think that there's a decent chance if, if Brock Purdy is drafted by the Cowboys last year, I don't know that he beats out Will Greer. I mean, let's not act like that. They were like, Oh, week one, Purdy's just blown us away. I mean, he played out of necessity. They had to, no doubt. So, uh, I just know that they think very highly of Will Greer. I just have to keep saying that because we know Cooper Rush can play. We've seen him play. Uh, and we've seen him be impre- impressive in, in spots where I did not think they would win games. Uh, that Bengals game clearly comes to mind the most. So if they continue like Will Greer, who almost beat out Cooper Rush for the backup job last year, why are you getting rid of Will Greer just so you can say, we got rid of him. This is this year's Ben DiNucci and somebody who drafted in the six or seven. That just sounds stupid to me. Maybe they've been watching a lot of XFL and ready to bring the nooch back. Bring the nooch back. There you go. Turn it up for the Seattle Sea Dragons. Um, Ronald Jones and the mix. Man, you looked at running back market. Tough out there. Uh, Damian Harris, one year, 1.7 million. Uh, I had another name of another running back, but I'm forgetting it. Uh, Ezekiel uh, Elliott? Well, no, Zeke. I mean, Zeke could be brought back to be. Has Kareem Hunt signed anywhere yet? He has not. Uh, Cream uh, Leonard, Four, Leonard Fournette's still out there. <laughs> and these guys are probably very unhappy with their market, but that is the reality of the situation. We're not, even five years ago, we're only half the league had adapted. The Would you take Fournette and Hunt over Elliott right now if you were a team? I'd take probably Hunt. Will. I'd take Fournette over Zeke, probably. I think I would, I'd take, probably ta- I would take Zeke over Fournette, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, if it... But yeah, yeah I think it depends I, on the system. I, 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 picture, I, picture, I picture Zeke right now, if we can turn back the clock to the Bucks team that won the Super Bowl with Brady, I can see Zeke doing a lot of things for that team. That, yeah, the expectations with him with the Cowboys is he's one of the highest paid backs in the league. You're expecting for him to do a lot. If he goes to that like Bucks team, you're like, wow, they got former fourth overall pick Ezekiel Elliott and the bar is very low. So anything you give from him, if he gets 12 rushing touchdowns or something like that, you're like, damn, that was a great pickup for the Bucks. They only had to pay him like 3 million bucks or whatever like that. I could still see him contributing to like a, a good team like that in some way. I don't think Zeke's completely washed or anything like that. I still think he'd contribute. I could see Zeke going to a... Chargers? It has to be a contender. It would make no sense if he signs with like the Texans. I don't think he has a market. That's 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 my problem. Maybe not today because I think a lot of these dragons. 
I don't think he has a market today because of the fact of the, the draft hasn't happened yet. And there's probably some teams that are like, we might be able to get somebody in the second or third round. Yeah, Let's do that. Yeah. And then we can, and we'll get him on a rookie deal for four years. It's real cheap. But then as you get closer to training camp, I can see Zeke having a market with a team that's like, no, I mean, he's a, he's a proven guy. He can get a short yardage. He knows, he knows the ball. Like we're not going to have to, you know, we're not going to have to motivate him to try and show up. He's a team guy, things like that. And, and again, this is for a good team. I don't see, like, again, I don't see him doing this to go to the Houston Texans. So he'll I mean, be with dude, somebody. I, somebody will sign him. The Chargers was a fun name to throw sure. out there. I think that's interesting. Uh, although, you know, they took Spiller. Um, what about, hey, what about the division? So it has Eckler. Okay. Any of them. Um, Giants don't really need him. Eagles, Miles Sanders signed with the Panthers. I think the Eagles will just throw a lot of bodies at it. And they kind of, they want to get Gainwell more involved. Yeah. Washington? Washington, maybe. Oh, what a bad field. Don't go play on that field, Zeke. That'd be that'd be bad for you. I don't know. Like, yeah, that's the Eagles also signed Richard Penny. Okay. Maybe that opens up. The backup spot in Seattle, <laughs> they have Travis Homer that they'd probably run out there before they'd run Zeke out there. San Francisco, how many running backs are they throwing out after after McCaffrey? Yeah. They got about five guys usually. I do think the Chargers makes the most sense though, for sure. New England to take over the Damian Harris role. I could see. I could see Zeke's market's literally less Travis than two Homer million dollars. With the Bears, by the way, uh, KT. Oh yeah, well maybe Seattle's a good spot, but. I think about maybe he goes to Arizona just like Emmett did. Uh, I was thinking about the the Damian Harris thing was like it hit me like hurt guy though, way different, way different, but younger. And I was just like, man, if Zeke went, this just tells you the Cowboys they made a organizational move. I think that was even less. Well, the money was the number one thing, but I think a little bit into that was no, we just can't have him around anymore because we're going. Jerry's going to want him to get snaps. And all that stuff that goes into it. And maybe the players are going to want him to get snaps. And it's almost as if they realized it's better to just not have you around, even though we love you. Hey, it's like a break wait, wait. Since we're on this topic, let me bring this up real quick from last week because we didn't talk about it. Did you guys happen to see Emmett Smith's comment on Instagram under the post of when uh, the Cowboys said, like, you know, basically they said their goodbye to Zeke? Emmett, Emmett wrote like a, he wrote a full paragraph here. Did you oh, guys see it at all? Or dramatic not? Read no, this. I didn't see it. Do it in <laughs> your voice, though, not Emmett's. He said, wow, this is amazing to me. No disrespect to Malik Davis. Our starting running back is gone, and his backup has a broken leg. The NFL stands for not for long. Everyone else, go get your money because they have no love for you. It don't make sense, and this is one of those things that make you shake your head. Thank you, Z, for giving everything you have, including playing injured all of last year. This is why the NFL stands for, he said not for law, but I'm pretty sure he meant not for long. Everybody else, go get your money because they have no love for you. Okay. First of all, Zeke's made over $70 million in his career already. The only running back that's made more than Zeke is Adrian Peterson. And he's played for like 90 teams. Zeke's done pretty well for himself. All considering. It's not like he was, this is cut off short or anything. This is rounding out a pretty good career. Like if he stopped now, I think most people would agree 
he had a really solid career. That's a little dramatic. That's very dramatic. I I agree. Um, you know, it look, and I get I look I I understand the whole thing, right? I get it. It's a running back too. You felt you, you lived all that, dude. It's all it's all fine. Like he, what Kent said's exactly right. I do like the idea of McCarthy or Steven or whoever or Will McC- whoever, kind of taking this, grabbing this bull by the horns and saying, look. We understand that people are going to want him to be around. Dude, that's the most hurt I've seen Dak. Like, yeah. Like, I it, Dak making was comments. Cry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, this is affecting him just because memories and you get older and you get sentimental and life and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But the point of it is, we're forgetting that Rico Dowdle exists, first of all. Now, he might get hurt and all that stuff, but there's no denying that they like Rico Dowdle. They might like Rico Dowdle more than they like Malik Davis. So Rico Dowdle is going to be a factor. And then you add Ronald Jones. The Ronald Jones thing is interesting. It's nothing. I mean, they're giving him very little money. It's very interesting. Ronald Jones, as a guy, could probably give you more than Zeke, given his age and the wear and tear and things like that. Man, he could not get on the field with Kansas City. And when he did, they yanked him right off the field again. To me, that move is just like a running back situation to the end. That's just like an insurance move to me. And when I say insurance, I mean the fact of – I, I fully believe they have a plan to take a running back within the first three rounds. Fully believe that. Um, you know, that was the word out at the combine. This is before they even released Zeke. This is when Jerry's on the bus saying that they still want to bring back Zeke. It was a very, very uh, hot rumor out the combine that they were looking at the wide re- I mean, looking at running backs like crazy. And then, of course, at the combine, too, uh, Bijan Robinson's asked if he's got a meeting with the Cowboys. And he says, no, hasn't, haven't met with him, don't, ha- don't plan to meet with him. And so I think a lot of people took that as, oh, they're set at running back. Again, Zeke's still on the roster at this point. But from everything I heard, the scouts were really looking at these running backs. And so I expect them to take a running back in the first three rounds. And if that's the case, whoever that player is, they're the number two guy with t- behind Tony Pollard. And then everybody else fills in behind them, Malik, whether it's Malik Davis, Rico Dowdle, Ronald Jones, or and, and probably one of those guys gets released. You know, I mean, they're not going to be carrying uh, four running backs on the uh, active roster. So uh, this is all cover because let's say they do really like want that is their plan going in to take a running back in one of the first three rounds. But how, how come how about if every time the pick comes to them? The running backs that are left on the board, they don't think are worthy of where that pick is at because there was a run on running backs. Now you have some insurance. They're like, yeah, it sucks. We really were hoping we got somebody, but at least we have this in place. Let's keep looking. Let's keep churning. Maybe a team cut somebody. Maybe we maybe we sign a, uh, an undrafted rookie free agent who can come in and contribute. But this at least gives you an insurance. I don't think that signing or re-signing Rico Dowdle is, is preventing you from taking a running back early. No. I, ex- I expect them to still do that. Can I ask you a question? We'll start with you, Saad. If the Cowboys were to draft B. John Robinson, where does that offense rank in the NFL as we speak right now? Man, so you got Dak, Tony Pollard, Bijan, Cooks, CD, and Gallup, and what, four out of five spots on the offensive line? So yeah. I would say fill that I mean, spot with a league average player, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely top five. I mean, it, this this offense has been one of the best offenses in the NFL the last two years, and I feel like right now this offense on paper, again, for me, the big wild card is I don't really know what McCarthy's offense is going to look like but schematically, but I think on paper with talent, I would say it's a top five offense. I expect them to be top 10 this year with – 
another couple moves in there and some good health and some good, you know, vibes, maybe they could be top five. I could see I could see that being the case. Um, I just don't know how much they're going to be really trying to push it in terms of I felt like the last few years they were really trying to like put up the big numbers offensively, whether they did it or not. I, I felt like that was really the goal. I don't know that that's necessarily the goal with Mike McCarthy. Um, I think he wants to be a little bit more of a controlled offense to where uh, they're maybe putting together more long drives as opposed to maybe the big hitting. Uh, but maybe they, maybe that happens with cooks and some of these other guys. I don't know, but I still think that the talent wise, there's no reason they shouldn't be top 10, but they have a chance to be top five. You know, my, well, my like kind of like just not insider opinion or anything like that. Just looking from very afar is I'm just really curious about Mike McCarthy's confidence in Dak Prescott and in general, when you look at what he said, like talking about running the ball and talking about how the defense needs to be more fresh. Like to me, that's not wanting to throw your quarterback under the bus and saying that, you know, I I can't just, this is a guy who rode with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for, for his entire time in green Bay. He knows what elite quarterback play looks like. And I don't like, and like he saw what Dak was for last year and, and, and it kind of cost them, um, uh, you know, I know he didn't have all the weapons around him and all that stuff, but I think one thing that I'm kind of going to be keeping an eye on is just where that confidence level is with McCarthy and Dak Prescott, oh, McCarthy in Dak Prescott, because I'm not sure that it's just like, you know, Jerry going on the radio every time he does and just talking about like how the team is just so lucky that Dak is here. I don't, I don't know that Mike McCarthy feels that way. I think he feels, yeah, he's fortunate he has a franchise quarterback, but I don't think that he's just sitting back and and has like this um just you know undoubted uh confidence in Dak. I don't think that Mike McCarthy thinks Dak Prescott is Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers uh or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or some of these elite of the elite guys, but I think he thinks he's a really really good quarterback and with the right pieces around him, he certainly believes that he can win big with him. I mean, why wouldn't he believe that? He's gone now five and one the last two years without Dak Prescott with Cooper Rush starting games. So I, I, I'm yeah. sure that Mike McCarthy is very confident in him himself calling plays and, and designing an offense from week to week to win games. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that if you don't think you have the guy, then you're looking for the next guy. I don't get the sense that, that Mike McCarthy's looking for the next guy. No, I don't get the sense that they are as an organization either. And in Mike um, McCarthy being uh, the way he sounded at the combine, you could definitely take it in. No question, you can take it in that he's not as confident as Dak as maybe some others are. But sure. I took it, I took it more along the lines of we got to do whatever we have to do to cut down on the turnovers because he feels like if you just take that number and reduce it, the interception number, then they're going to win two or three more games with how good their defense is. But when you yeah. have those turnovers like that, you put that defense that. You know, you talk about being a top five offense. This is certainly a top five defense. You put them in a bad spot to win games, and you don't want to do that. You know, you you want to put that defense in position where that defense should be able to win you games, which is crazy because we haven't seen a ton of that in Dallas for a long time. I just think there's something that will be very important, and it might be the end-all, be-all to how the season goes. We start looking at health and things like that, but Kellen gone, Doug Nussmeyer gone, clearly Jason Garrett's gone. Like Wade Wilson, RIP, gone too soon. Like you have all these people who are a part of Dax. Oh, then beginning. Scott Linehan, John Kitna. All these guys. 
But all these people who are a part of Dax Beginning that were still here, Nussmeyer, Kellen, they're gone. And it's like, okay, who's got you now? Well, you got Scott Tolzien and Mike McCarthy. Good luck. Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer? And how does Dak react to that? Because there's three options that happen. Dak either uh, his level of play declines. And what that likely means is McCarthy's out of a job, most likely. His level stays about the same. What it's all been are fairly consistent or in that realm. And what that probably leads to is probably McCarthy losing his job or he legitimately takes this new brand of offense. And who knows? Maybe the offense doesn't change that much with McCarthy calling plays. I feel like it will. Um, and then he excels, and then it's as far as he goes. And even it, even with excelling under McCarthy, it might not be enough. That could cost McCarthy's job. I guess but like, I look at it. How I is Dak going to – like these new people, how Dak works with them, that's a – Big storyline for this season. For sure. I just look at it more along the lines of a 30-year-old quarterback who's been a starter his entire career going into year eight. I don't know how you wouldn't be building something that's going to make that player as successful as possible. One. Two, I don't know how much other teams can really throw at you at this point that you haven't seen. So, yeah, that stuff changes. But I don't see them going out there and putting Dak in bad positions, one. And two, no. with how much these quarterbacks nowadays change calls and things at the line of scrimmage, Dak's going to put himself in position to make these plays. Again, he's going into year eight as a starter. Not year eight in the NFL. Year eight yeah. as a starter. Like, I mean, a lot First of this time? is on him, man. So and no I doubt. think he's going to be fine. And I, I don't think Mike McCarthy is going in there going, man, Let's run this offense because I like this offense. I don't think it's going to be good for Dak, no. but I love this offense. And Brian Schottenheimer likes this offense too. So we're just going to do it. Like it, it's all, I mean, you're only going to have success if Dak has success. So I don't see them doing things that aren't going to put him in the best position. I don't see how they don't have, again, seven years now of tape of what he does well and where he struggles. If you can't put together game plans every week with, his, with what he does best, well, then it is time for a new coach. First time that he's as in the NFL having his head coach call plays. Yeah, that, that, that's where I think you you got. I mean, that's definitely where McCarthy and Rodgers had tension. Uh, which Aaron Rodgers had has tension with everyone, it seems, right? So, but you know, there was a time when McCarthy gave up the play calling and then took it back in Green Bay. So, I mean, I do think you will have some internal tension for the first time for whatever reason, just and, because of and that. And you, that's a natural working environment. It's and fine. when you say that. It also ties in with side point out earlier, and, and you said too about you know the way Dak, you know, felt about the Zeke thing, and obviously Kellen's gone and all that. Like, yeah, Aaron didn't go along with Mike, but they won a hell of a lot of games and they won a Super Bowl together. So honestly, I don't care if you like everybody. Yeah, is everybody everybody out there that they work with? Do they like everybody? I do. I mean, yeah. I doubt I mean, that, but we we talked about that with with you know Brady and Belichick. I mean, you right. know, they the dynasty and I'm. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure a lot of that stuff was blown out of proportion, but I don't think they were best buds, and it doesn't matter because it worked. I mean, all the stuff I hear about, you know, I mean, look at the stuff behind the scenes with Jordan and and all his teammates. Look at all the stuff between Shaq and Kobe. Like, I get it, man. It is a lot more fun when you have these stories of how, man, these guys just all love each other, Steph and Curry this is so much fun. Yeah, this is so great yeah. and everything. I and and maybe hey, maybe it's me because maybe a lot of people listen to this, and maybe you guys do like that stuff. I literally don't care about that. 
Like, this is pro sports. This is not T-ball. Like, win championships. That's what I care about. I don't care if these guys like each other at all. Like, as long as you show up on Sunday and ball out, I don't care if you guys hang out on Wednesdays and play chess together. Doesn't matter to me at all. Don't care. Let's close it quickly with three minutes on Dak's tattoo. John, great reporting this morning. <laughs> uh, finding the pictures of Dak's tattoo, posting them online. Can you fill us in on what's what's going on there? So I reached out to the artist. So and and we did a, we did a FaceTime call for about forty minutes. So I got a lot of background here. I'm writing about it for oh, tomorrow wow. morning. Uh, but yeah, it all started with uh, it started with CD getting hit. He did his entire back. The reason why I reached out and the reason why I think it's a very interesting story is one. This guy does great work. I mean, these are amazing. And and his whole, like, working with different players, like he's worked with Jamar Chase and Tyron Matthew and stuff, it's all word of mouth because other players see it and stuff like that. That's the one part that I think is fascinating. The other part is that they're doing it with, like, four people at one time. So you're knocking out an entire leg or an entire back in, like, seven or eight hours, which generally when people are getting sleeves and things <laughs> like that, you're doing it over several days. It's one yeah. artist. that They keep coming back, things like that. These guys are knocking it out in seven or eight hours. They're doing your entire leg, entire back, which is obviously a big piece of skin when you're talking about professional athletes. They're large human beings. And so you're flying out five people to do this tattoo, uh, you know, at Dak's house and you're over his house for seven or eight hours knocking this thing out. And I don't know, the part to me I get, like, which clearly this gentleman didn't seem to be bothered by, but I would just be nervous. Like, I don't want to mess this thing up, but... He uh, he's he's obviously very good at what he does. So, yeah, read that on The Athletic uh, when you get a chance. I'll have it up uh, Thursday morning. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting interview for sure. More intrepid reporting from Father John <laughs> Mishota, um and Saad covering the Dallas Stars. Of course, uh, about 11 games left as we record this on Wednesday afternoon. 11 games in the regular season. This is there hitting the home stretch. The Mavs hitting the home stretch. It's opening day coming up. This is a good time in the world of sports. They've got the tournament. Good Lord. If you're not subscribing to The Athletic, what are you doing? And, of course, you have tons of podcast content that you can listen to as well, like this one about them Cowboys. Uh, Kent, what do you think? We back next week? Are we taking a week off back in two weeks? What's a what's the story? Let's do some on-air produ- uh, production com- uh, conversating. How about we do one next week if we want to? So TBD. Yeah, let's text about it. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Maybe next week, but definitely the week after. How about that? Just be on the lookout. Make sure you hit the subscribe yeah. button and all that stuff. Give us a good rating, too. Come on. We need the, we need to let the, the overlords know that we're doing well. If you could just say, love the show, that would Give be a nice rating. Subscribe to The Athletic. Download the Beast. Do all those nice things. Let's appreciate yes, it. Yes, sir. Uh, for our producer, Kent Garrison, who you just heard, for uh, uh, Saad Youssef, and for uh, Father John Bashoda. I am KT. We'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys.